Brilliant to say hello. Well, good morning, church. Just ask for you to round up your conversations now, and uh, here we go. Hello. Well, it's great to be here before you. I am Isaac, and I'm the assistant pastor, but I get the great privilege of serving the students who are here in their numbers today. So, hey, students. And good morning to everybody else. We love to be together as a family. And um, I want to start off this morning with a story. There once was a man who loved climbing mountains. And he got great satisfaction at climbing mountains. He scaled up big mountains, crawled up them, and crawled back down again. But there was this one particular time that he decided that he wanted to climb up one of these mountains. So there he was at the foot of the mountain with all his gear, ready to climb up the mountain. And so he set off on a pace just after noon. And he's climbing, his left hand is going up, his right foot's going up, his left hand is going up, his right foot's going up. And then while he was reaching out over the ledge, he slipped and fell and began to fall at great speed. While he was falling back, he's thinking, gosh, I'm, I'm falling to my death right now. When all of a sudden, the rope that he was tied to on his waist yanked and stopped. With only the rope holding him up, his body hung limp in the air. By this time, it was cold and it was dark. He was all alone and he cried out, God, help me. And a voice in the distance replied, what do you want me to do? This is God speaking, by the way. <laughs> he said, save me. And God said, will you do exactly what I tell you to do? He said, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And God replied, then trust me and cut the rope tied to your waist. Free yourself and you'll be saved. There was a moment of silence. The rope was the only thing which was keeping him from falling. But he began to weep and clutch the rope even tighter as he felt the cold and the darkness rain in on him. The next morning, some fellow hikers walking by saw the climber clutching to the rope, frozen to death. Quibbling amongst themselves, they wondered how he may have died. And one of them said, he should have just cut the rope. He was only hanging three feet from the floor. It was a terrible tragedy, but that's not a real story, by the way. I wonder if you picked that when I said once upon a time there was this guy. But yeah, today's message is Peter encounters Jesus on the sea. Now, over the past few weeks, we've been covering some of the encounters that Peter had with Jesus. You see, I would describe Peter as a man after my own heart. Um, when we read through the scriptures, Peter was one of the first disciples to follow Christ. Uh, along with his brother Andrew. He was the one who pulled Jesus aside at one time and said, rebuked him and said, Jesus, what are you talking about? You're going to die. You're going to be the reigning king. And Jesus rebuked him for saying that. Sometimes he put his foot in it, didn't he? Um, he was also the first one to confess Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ, the living God. And Peter also had his name changed from Simon to Peter. Now, do we remember what Peter means? Yeah, that's right. That was from um, Paul's message last week. Peter means rock. Now, our reading today is from Matthew 14. I'm going to read from 22 to 30, 
through to 33. Uh, And as we get into this scripture, I want us to try these three things. Or as the preacher this morning, I'm going to try and help you do these three things. Which is, we're going to read together. We're going to reflect and see what is in the word and, and unpack it. But then it's on you to do the next thing, which is the response. What will be your response to this word? So if you have your Bible with you, you might want to turn it on. Or you might want to flick your pages over to that. So that's Matthew 14 and 22 to verse 33. So I'm going to read here. In verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when his disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out of fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hands and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. In this passage of Scripture, I, I can't get past the point where Jesus does that miracle where he takes the five loaves and the, the two fishes and he feeds 5,000 people that day. But it says in 22 that Jesus immediately made his disciples get into the boat. That sounds like Jesus had an agenda there. I don't know about you. And he went up to the mountain to pray. And it says that the boat was in the middle of the sea and the boat was being tossed by the waves and the wind. The disciples are in the middle of the sea rowing for hours. And there's Jesus up on the mountain praying. It almost seems not appropriate. If Jesus sees them struggling, why is he not there in a boat with them? If Jesus is God and he knows all things, surely he knows that they're going to go through this storm. But Jesus had a private life of prayer. And I want to encourage you this morning that we should have a private life of prayer. Mother Teresa says this. She says, prayer is not just asking. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God at his disposition and listening to his voice in the depths of our heart. So prayer isn't just about asking, but it's being there with God, putting ourselves in the hands of God and listening to him. And I believe that Jesus was doing this. But did you notice Jesus' position? It says that he went up to the mountain to pray. And while he's up on this mountain, he could definitely see the sea down there and he could see the disciples in the boat. 
One thing about Jesus is he never lost sight of his disciples, did he? He had a good vantage point of view that he could see them in the sea. This reminds me of um, maybe a time when I wasn't perfectly positioned. Um, I was looking after my niece who was just under two at the time. And um, I had just given her her lunch and she'd eaten it. She was in her chair and I had the TV on. She was watching something on CBeebies. And I decided, well, while she's distracted, I'm going to go and I'm going to cook myself some lunch. So while I'm cooking myself some lunch, I I put a burger in the grill and I thought, yep, today is going to be the the time that I'm going to have my own burger and it's going to be awesome. I'm going to have lettuce, I'm going to have tomatoes, I'm going to have onions, I'm going to have sauce, I'm going to have everything that I want in that burger. So I check on my niece and she's doing fine. She's eating her food now and by this time the burger has finished cooking. So I thought to myself, okay, how am I going to do this? Because you can't leave um, toddlers on their own because they get up to their own mischief. Silly me. I thought CBBS was occupying her enough. You can see where this is going, isn't it? She sat in front there, and I run back into the room, and she still sat there. I thought, brilliant. So I come back with my burger, and I've got all the stuff, all the trimmings that I wanted on that burger, apart from mayonnaise. So there was ketchup on the burger, but there was no mayonnaise, and I thought, this is going to be risky, but I'm going to put it on the table here. She sat down watching CBeebies. Surely she's not going to smell or see the food. She's just going to pay attention to whatever is on the screen. So I quickly run into the kitchen, get the mayonnaise. I come back, and lo and behold, the burger is all over the floor. It's all over her face, and it, she's wiping it on the floor. She isn't eating it. She's just playing with the food. And the anger that rose up in me at that time... I was like, no, the burger that I had put so much effort into. And I was looking forward to that burger. I still ate the burger. Um, I mean, it had a bit of dust and hair and all that sort of stuff that was on it. But uh, it still went down. It didn't go down a tree, but it still went down. (laughs) I was not perfectly positioned. But it says, at the fourth watch, Jesus appears to his disciples walking on the sea. And some reference here says that the fourth watch was between the hours of 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Oh, my goodness. Jesus has sent them out sort of earlier in the day, and they're on the sea. This says to me that they've been battling hours for the, with the sea and with the wind. And here Jesus comes at three, between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Surely he's not on time. Surely he's not on time. But Jesus appears to his disciples, and they're afraid. They're afraid. Why? Because Jesus comes, not on a boat himself, but actually he comes walking on water. Now, I don't know if you've seen anybody walk on water before, but that is horrific to see somebody walking on water during when the sea is going crazy and the wind is blowing. Like, who would even be able to do that? Who could imagine that somebody could do that? Well, Jesus could. It says that the disciples were very afraid. Now, I don't know if you remember this um, illusionist or magician called Dynamo. Um, And uh, it's a few years back, but he walked on the River Thames. Um, And I don't know if it was illusion because of TV, but a lot of people watched it. And so there Dynamo sort of stepped over the bank and then he began to walk on water. And I was thinking to myself, this guy's trying to be Jesus. But Dynamo's got nothing on Jesus. It says that Jesus was walking on the sea 
while the sea was going crazy and the wind was blowing. And he walked out in the middle to the disciples. Jesus was no magician, but he is Lord over everything. And that's why he could walk on water. As I said, Jesus never lost sight of his disciples. And I'm saying this morning, he never loses sight of us. Here's a word of encouragement for some of us here. In Matthew 6 and 26, it says, Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Your heavenly Father feeds them. We could be out on the sea and, and, and believe that God isn't seeing us or Jesus hasn't us in mind, but actually he does see us. One of the things that we see with Peter's encounter with Jesus, Jesus says to come. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come onto the water. And Peter answered him, Peter said, sorry, Lord, if it's you, command me to come onto the water. So he said, this is Jesus, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but this story sounds a bit bonkers to me. First of all, there's Jesus walking on the sea. But now, not only is Jesus walking on the sea, Peter is walking on the sea. You know, and I've heard it said before that Peter had, must have had this massive faith to walk on the sea. But when you look at the story, I think it's a bit more than that. And can I just say this, that it wasn't the size of Peter's faith, but it was the object of Peter's faith. Jesus was the object of Peter's faith. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, call me and I will come. And Jesus said, come. I'm not saying Peter didn't have any faith, but it was the object of his faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I can say this for myself, that sometimes you hear some people uh, prayer testimonies and you've re- you kind of shrink back a bit like, oh, why do they always seem to get the right prayers or the answer to their prayers? You might have heard it before that somebody prayed for one job and they got free job, free job requests or um, offers. Sorry, I beg your pardon. We hear that somebody prayed for the children and they got two children. You pray that you heard that somebody prayed for a wife and they got two wives. <laughs> that wasn't my prayer, by the way. I could just about handle one, or oh, be handled by one. I beg your pardon. <laughs> But it's so true, isn't it, that we see that it's not about our actual faith, but it's the object of our faith. So I wonder if you could just turn to the person next to you and just say, it's not about the size of your faith, it's about the object of your faith. That's great. You sounded very confident saying that. Well, I want to ask you today, who is the object of your faith? Some of you might say, well, it was my nan, she was a Christian, and, or I was brought up in a Christian home. For Peter, Jesus was the object of his faith. Peter was confident Jesus could do all types of miracles. So Peter says, if you say I can, I will. The funny thing about this story as well is that Peter wasn't in the boat alone. Did you notice that? He was there with 11 others. <laughs> And they didn't decide to walk out to Jesus, but Peter did. 
You see, sometimes when Jesus calls us out and he calls us to come, we need to step out. And it may be that we're the only ones who step out. It might be the first amongst many people who step out. It might be the first amongst our families, our peers, our friends to step out. But we need to trust God when he's calling us to step out. Max Licardo says this, There is an antidote to our fears. Trust. If we trust God, God more, we fear less. This morning, Jesus' invitation to you is to come and to trust him. My third point here is look unto Jesus. Peter had come down out of the boat and he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when he got into the boat, the wind ceased. One thing we noticed about Peter here was he was doing the miraculous. He was doing as God had called him to. He stepped out of his comfort zone. He stepped out and left behind those who were in the boat and decided that he was going to follow Jesus' command and step out onto the water, which was very precarious. But unfortunately, Peter got distracted. He saw the boisterous winds and the waves, and he began to sink. There are many things in our life that looks to distract us, that sometimes sink us. It could be our own thoughts. It could be material things that we have around us that are 24-7 distracting us. Or it could be interior things. It could be, it could be pride. It could be envy. It could be selfishness that hinders our experience of looking at Jesus and following him. But in Hebrews 12 and 1 to 2, it says, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. And as our eyes are focused on him, he's able to keep us from falling. Now, I, know that I don't know about you, but in verse 31, when I read where Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I've always read this with sort of like a, a negative note. You know, Jesus knows his frame. Jesus could see the wind. He could see the rain. He could see that. And he could see that Peter, out of everybody, has tried to follow him, has stepped out. And he's like, oh, you of little faith. But upon reading it a second time, I could recognize the heart of Jesus. You see, Jesus' response was more of an endearing one rather than a judgmental one. He said, oh, you of little faith. It's almost like, oh, mate. You, you, you were just about to make it. You were just doing so well. But he grabs out to him and says, hey, I've got you. I've got you. We see that when Jesus gets into the boat, 
the wind, the waves, they die down. And you know what? When we're going for our storm or the storms of life, no matter the size, whether they be large or small, sometimes we feel like asking God, why me, God? Why me? Why is this happening to me? But I want to encourage us this morning to ask God, what are you trying to show me even in this time? You know, this was a big learning curve for me. My question to God was, why? When I had my own health conditions and problems that I had. And I, it was my prayer. I kept praying, God, well, why don't you just remove it? You know, I've prayed, you know, how many times a day? Isn't this pleasing enough for you? But I began to then ask God, what are you trying to show me? And I believe that God was showing me what he was trying to show me at that time. That I could trust him even in those times. That he is looking, he sees me, he sees me perfectly. But not only does he see me, but he's right beside me. In verse 32 it says, Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped Jesus, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Truly he is Lord. They'd seen many miracles Jesus do, you know, without be open the eyes of the blind, casting out demons, but this was a new and fresh revelation that they had of Jesus. And I'm praying that this morning that you have a new and fresh revelation of Jesus this morning. If we go back a little bit, Jesus said, Jesus stretched out his hand to Peter. And Peter, it doesn't say that Peter went fully under. But Jesus stretched out his hand and pulled him out of the water. And they both got in a boat. See, in this life, we are going to make mistakes. We're going to have trials. We're going to have, you know, different challenges. And that's the, real, the realest I can be with you this morning. But in Romans 5 and 8, it says, But God demonstrated his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want to say this morning that the more we see Jesus, the more we worship him. You see, worship isn't just limited to the songs that we're singing. But when our eyes are fixed on him, we live a life of worship. And that is the highest honor that we could bring to God. That goes to anybody here. If, if you're sweeping the road or if, you, if you're you know, buying groceries for your neighbor, you're doing it unto God, and that is your act of worship. When our eyes are fixed on Jesus, it affects our emotional well-being. It affects our physical well-being, our spiritual well-being, our relational, our financial. Can you see where I'm going with this? We did a book recently on God's plan for our well-being. It affects our vocational well-being. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried this trick before, but it's about balancing a broom on your hand. And um, as long as you are, your eyes are fixed on the top of the broom, the broom <laughs> balances on your hand. But as soon as you take your eyes off it, it tends to fall off. And I'm saying this morning, let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. In this story, what did we learn? That Jesus never loses sight of the disciples, and neither does he lose sight of us. 
that Jesus invited Peter onto the water to join him. And Jesus is inviting us to come and to join him. And lastly, look onto Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Don't take them off him. I want to invite the band up now. And I spoke about reading through this passage of scripture. For some of us, we may have heard this before. You probably have probably heard it, preached even better before. But it's not about hearing the greatest preach. It's not about hearing what we have to, I have to say overly. But it's what our response is to Jesus' word. So I said, we're going to read together, we're going to reflect, and we're also going to respond. I can't tell you how you respond to this passage of Scripture. But what I can do is encourage you. It might be this morning that you decide that I'm going to put a renewed trust in God. And not just on a thing, but in all things, you're going to put a renewed trust on God. It might be that you choose to reflect quietly as you're sat there thinking, hmm, how do I keep my eyes firmly fixed on Jesus? It might be that you want to offer up a prayer of thanksgiving for the faithfulness that you see in God have over your life in some of the most difficult of times. Now, in a moment, we're going to sing a song which says, Christ is more than enough. Christ is enough for us. But I'd love to pray with you this morning. So I wonder if we could bow our heads as I pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Not only, Lord, do you call us to read and reflect, but Lord, by your spirit, you are doing something in our hearts this day. Lord, I pray that you would call us out, Lord. And when you call out, we would respond. That we would say, yes, Lord, that we would walk out into the water. We would walk out to where you're calling us. I pray, Lord, that we would be moved by your spirit and that the distractions and the storms of this life wouldn't take our eyes off you. As in Hebrews, it says that we look unto you, Jesus, the champion and the finisher, and the perfecter of our faith. This morning, Jesus, we choose to lift our eyes to you. Thank you, Lord, for the great stories that we read of the disciples and the prophets and everybody else. But, Lord, you are concerned about us and the content of our heart. Lord, as we sit and we reflect... We pray, Lord, that you would just speak to us now and that we would know that you are God in every moment and every season. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.